week I want to tell you about. It's a story about uh, a very wealthy Texas rancher. He had over 100,000 acres of land in Texas. And it seemed his daughter had just graduated from college, and he was trying to find a, a suitable husband. So he had a large, large employee base, so he invited all the young, eligible bachelors to show up at his house, and uh, he was going to give them an offer that he knew one of them would receive well. So he got all these young guys, he said, come on down to the pool, and he went down to this Olympic-sized swimming pool. And they gathered around there, and he said, now, gentlemen, I want you to know something. He said, I have stocked this pool with alligators and water moccasins. Now, the man who swims across this pool will get $1 million, or they can have 500,000 acres of land that I will give you, or you can be, you can marry my daughter. And if you marry my daughter, you'll have everything that is in my inheritance. It'll all be yours. And he just got the words out of his mouth when all of a sudden he heard a splash in the water. A man swam across there at Olympic speed, got out on the other side, and he went over and he said, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anyone swim as fast as you just swam. It's amazing. It's amazing. What would you like? Would you like the money? Would you like the land? Or would you like to marry my daughter and with it all the inheritance that will go with it? He said, I don't want the money. And I don't want the land, and I don't want your daughter. He says, well, what do you want? Those are great offers. He said, I want to know who pushed me. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just need to have a little push from God, amen? Just a little shove to kind of get us running through and moving through life. Well, I want to talk to you today a little bit about keeping the presence of God, and I want us to, to kind of focus in on our mind and the place that our mind plays in this experience of God. So many times we think about the heart, but when you look in the Bible, the heart really has to do with all of your mental, emotional, and spiritual dimension that you function with. And our mind is this, this great tool that God has given us to process truth, to understand God's word, and to live in our world with great faithfulness. Dr. Carolyn Leaf is a research scientist and speaker, and she said this, 75 to 95% of the illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of our thought life. What we think about affects us physically and emotionally it is an epidemic of toxic emotions. She gives this example. How many could have, would have, should have statements have you made this week? How many, if only, statements are a part of your inner vocabulary? How many times have you replayed in your head a conversation or a situation that pained you or one that hasn't even occurred yet? How many scenarios have you created in the unpredictable future? Do you ever make comments like, nothing ever goes right for me, everything I touch fails, I always mess up? She said, if those are a part of your vocabulary, you're probably processing a lot of toxic thoughts. And those toxic thoughts are affecting you spiritually, and they're affecting you relationally and emotionally. 
What I want to do is I want to take you to a familiar story of Cain and Abel. It's an unfortunate story, a story of two brothers who unfortunately did not get along well, and in the end, Cain took his brother Abel's life. And I want to show you how the effect of of the mind and the brain, how that affected Cain in his situation, and how we too can be affected by the way we think. So the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, Then the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel? Now God knew exactly where Abel was at this point, but he wanted Cain to understand that he needed to go with, to God with every single thing in his life. Have you ever kind of gone through life and you said, you know, I don't think God needs to be bothered by this, or I can handle that. But you see, God wants us to bring everything to him in prayer. God wants us to come before him and let him be our Lord and be our God. And notice what Cain says. He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, that's a pretty familiar phrase, isn't it? It's an idiom we use today. Am I my brother's keeper? In other words, am I really responsible for what you do? Am I supposed to know what you're about? And then he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. We talk about ground being hallowed ground. Gettysburg, for example, is considered a battlefield that's hallowed ground. And it is the blood that rises up out of that, those soldiers who gave their life uh, in that Civil War uh, period. But verse 11, it says, So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than that I can bear. He said something like we say sometimes, I don't think I can take anymore. Have you ever said that? And yet you do, and God gets you through, and God manages your life for you. But verse 14, it says, uh, surely you have driven me from this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face or from your presence. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Isn't it interesting? The man who murdered his brother has now become a coward. Now he's afraid for his own life. The one who could take the life of his own brother is now fearful for his own life. You see, what had happened, not only had he processed the, the whole situation wrongly in taking his brother's life, but even now we see more evidence his, uh, of the way that he's thinking, the way he processed. Instead of saying, God, I have sinned. God, forgive me. God, restore me. He would have seen the hand of God, but he chose not to do that. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain... Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. In other words, God said, I'm not going to let anybody kill you. I'm not going to do that. That's not what I do. In fact, what I'm going to do, and it's really interesting, it says the Lord set a mark on Cain. You know what that was? That was a mark of grace, not of condemnation. You can't take Cain's life, is what God was saying. Because I have a future for Cain if he will choose it. And I'm going to put a mark of grace on Cain. Do you know that God has a mark of grace on everyone on planet earth? That God's love and God's forgiveness and God's mercy extends to all? 
And God is reaching out and wanting all to come to him and find his love. He said, I'm going to put a mark on Cain lest anyone finding him should kill him. And then notice how Cain reacts. Instead of saying, thank you, God. And instead of saying, God, I need to turn my life around, notice what it says. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to leave the presence of God. I'm going to get away from God because I feel condemned, even though God wasn't condemning him. And then it says, and he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So he traveled east. I want you to see some things today, and I'm going to, I'm going to thrill you with my artistic ability here, as I always do. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about God, what God has done really, is God has wired you for good. God intends for you and I to live out our life in the goodness of God, to understand God and to walk in God and and to, to let God feed us with all of the grace that he possibly can that we might extend good to someone else. Haven't you ever been around someone that just good people and you just, they're kind and they're gentle and they're sweet and you just go, wow, that is such a good person. You know, well, God wired us that way. We have been hardwired by God for good. And when we choose good, God blesses us and God allows us to move forward with life in a wonderful way. Carolyn Leaf went on to say that the average person has over 30,000 thoughts a day. And most of them are the same thought. Just repetitive thinking, repetitive thinking, repetitive thinking. But she goes on to say, through an uncontrolled thought life, we create conditions for illness. We make ourselves sick by how we think. Research shows that fear, all on its own, triggers more than 1,400 known physical and chemical responses and activates more than 30 different hormones in our body, just fear. Why do you think God says God has not given you a spirit of fear that you might fall back into, but one of love and power, and listen to this last part, what? A sound mind. So you see, when when we're moving in the direction of fear, we cannot move in the direction of a sound mind. She goes on to say, toxic waste generated by toxic thought causes diabetes, cancer, asthma, skin problems, and allergies, just to name a few. Control your thought life and start to detox your brain. So medical research is increasingly pointing out the fact that thinking and consciously controlling your thought life is one of the best ways to detox your brain. No wonder God says we need to renew our mind after the mind of Christ. And we're going to go into that a little bit deeper in how we do that. It's amazing that science is catching up with Scripture. You see, science is not an enemy to Christianity. It's just a tool that God uses to help us discover the creation and the dimensions of God's majesty. And the further and further we go down this road, we begin to understand how complex you are, we are, how this universe is, and it points more and more to God himself. So what happens is when we begin to control our thought life, it allows us to get rid of those toxic thoughts and emotions that can consume us and control our mind. Have you ever just had a a worry on your mind? Have you ever had just a negative thought on your mind and it just lives with you all day long? 
You go, how do I get rid of that? How do I get rid of it? And it's kind of like that, that old saying, you know, just stop, don't think about a pink elephant. You know, and then you can't get the pink elephant out of your mind. You say, I got to get that pink elephant out of my mind. Well, God says the same thing happens with these kind of thoughts. So what happens is toxic thought results in toxic feelings. Now, interestingly enough, that word keep, remember it says, uh, Cain said of, of Abel, am I my brother's keeper? And that word keep is used many times. It's used, first of all, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, where it tells us that Adam was to keep the garden. And that word keep means to protect it. Adam was to keep somebody out of that garden. He was to protect it. The enemy was going to come in. I've got to protect this garden. But he failed to keep it. And so what did God do? He, God took Adam and Eve and he pushed them out of the garden at Eden so that they would understand something about the forgiveness and grace of God. But so that they wouldn't enter back into the garden, he positioned there an angel. And that angel with a turning sword was to keep them out. He had to protect them then from the tree of life. Otherwise, they'd have eaten from the tree of life and been eternally separated from God. But then we find it here again in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 9, the same word, and Abel asked God, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to protect my brother? Indeed you are. Indeed you are. Now, I want to take you on this next part of this, uh, this journey because, you see, what we need is we need a filter. Okay? Does that look like a filter? Does that look like a filter? Uh, good. All right. Okay, so I'm going to write on this filter, Renew. And there's things that we put into this filter here, and they're th called thoughts. Now, I'm going to develop that as we go along here. Carolyn Leaf talks about the neoplasticity of the brain. You say, what is that word? Well, by definition, it means the brain is malleable and adaptable and changing moment by moment. Now, when I was growing up, my dad used to say, tell me not to drink beer because I would destroy brain cells. And he said, I didn't have enough to start with. <laughs> All right. You remember that talk? And, uh, and the idea is once a brain cell's gone, it will not come back. And that was kind of the theory that everybody kind of grew up with years ago. Just the opposite is true. Now, I don't know about beer and what it does to your brain, but it is opposite is true in terms of brain cells. Every day you're getting new brain cells. Now, what research has found is that they have found that your mind, now watch this, controls the structure of your brain. Your brain has this neoplasticity. It means that it can change. So what they've done in research is they've taken a person with a lot of toxic thoughts, a lot of negativity in their life. They've done a scan on their brain. Then they've taken 21 days. A 21-day period is about what it takes to detox a brain from a thought. And then they've taken that same scan of that brain, and that brain is radically different and radically more healthy. Simply by thinking good stuff. And that's what God has to say in the Word of God. So when we begin to think about it, it's with our minds that we reject or we believe the lies of the enemy. It's with our minds that we change the physical reality of the brain to reflect our choices. How many times does God say, talk to us about our mind? And, and then he even says this, that we, when we walk in the faithfulness of God, in the spirit of God, we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ controls the brain and it begins to shape us into 
the likeness of God. And so we begin to live out this life of God because we are being directed by the very mind of Christ that affects our mind. It is with our minds that we decide to follow God's rules and live in peace despite what is going on around us. It is with our minds that we choose to follow the lies of Satan and spiral into mental, physical, and spiritual disarray. Our minds are critically important. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, here it is, the renewing of your what? Of your mind. My mind needs to be renewed. So I want you to think about this filter here is like my mind. And when I have a renewed mind, I've got all kinds of thoughts that are going into my mind throughout the day. And some of them are positive, some of them are negative. Some of them don't amount to anything. They're just random thoughts just going through. Where did that thought come? And you don't know. And, but what we want to do is it says, by the renewing of your mind that you might prove, now listen to that, you might prove, What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? How do I know what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God? It is with a renewed mind. Without a renewed mind, I cannot think the right thoughts. I cannot process stuff in the right way. So when I begin to get on the wrong track, I'm moving down here because I don't have a renewed mind, and I'm getting off course. You know, you can, uh, years ago, I was uh, uh, asked by a friend of mine to go up in his little plane little Cessna plane. And I, I had never been in a little plane. I thought, well, that'd be fun. I thought it would be, you know, comforting and relaxing. And I had no idea what I was getting into, right? And we got on the plane. We, got, we were going to do a night flight. It was about 5 o'clock in the evening. And, and uh, he was going through the checklist, which I was happy. You know, right? I, I don't want you to do this by memory. He's got a little sheet. He's going through the checklist. And then I said to him, I said, well, now, have you flown it at night a lot? He said, no, this will be my first time. <laughs> he was joking, thankfully, right? And so we, we took off and we're flying around. If you've ever been in one of those, I don't know whether he was just not a good pilot or that they just don't feel very stable. But I felt like it was doing this all the time, just always doing this, right? And, and so we're heading back. He said, we're going to head on back. And, and he's flying back. And he says, you know, I don't know where the runway is. Now, this time he wasn't joking. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. So he calls into the tower. Can you hit the lights? And they bring the lights up, bring the lights back down so he can see where it is. And we land. And uh, he looked at me after we landed, and he said, we should do this again. (laughs) And I didn't say anything. I nodded, but I thought to myself, I will never get in a plane with you again. And now every time somebody mentions one of these small planes, my mind immediately goes back to that day with Jim and he's taken me up, and he's, he, I was just convinced it was my last day on earth. All right, now, what we need to do is we need to renew our mind because we get thoughts in our mind. They stay there. What happens is we move things from our conscious mind into our subconscious mind. When they get into our subconscious mind, that's about 90% of all your thinking. It stays there. It affects you. You don't even know it's affecting you. It's affecting you in a negative way sometimes, sometimes in a very positive way. So God says, if I want to know what is, and look at this, prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, then I have to live out my life with a renewed mind. Now, let me take you to the filter, and this is one of the most helpful things that I've ever done and helped people with in ministry is Philippians chapter 4. So I want you to write that reference down and mark your Bible because this will be a key 
to really living out your Christian life in a powerful way. Now, notice what it says here. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, notice what it says. You're going to have thoughts coming into your life. What you want to do is you want to filter out the bad thoughts. And what's going to come out of your life are things that are true, noble, pure, worthy of praise, And what's going to end up happening is you're going to then experience the God of peace. So let me give an example. You're driving down the road, you get a negative thought. A toxic thought comes to your mind. The first thing you have to say is, wait a minute, let me take it through the filter. Is that true? Is it pure? Is it praiseworthy? Is it noble? Is it of good report? I go through that list in Philippians. I call Philippians 4 the filter test. If that's not, if it misses any one of those, then I have to say, wait a minute, that's a toxic thought. That's a thought that's not going to help me in my Christian life. It's not going to bring about this peace of God. So what I have to do is I have to redirect that thought. I have to let it get caught in the filter so that the only thing that's coming out is true, pure, noble, and praiseworthy. Because I want to have the peace of God in my life. And I really believe that most of the time we're suffering from this lack of peace because of all the bombarding of thoughts of of the past and of the present and those that we even anticipate we're going to experience. And they don't go through the filter of a renewed mind. So we get stuck on something that's negative. We get stuck on something that's impure or is not praiseworthy. Whatever's going on, God says, let's take it through the filter. Let's allow you to experience something fresh and new. Because when you do that, then guess what happens? Then you can live a new day. You see, if you don't do that, you're going to live on yesterday's thoughts. And all the things that bothered you yesterday, remember those 30,000 thoughts a day that you have? Most of them are the same thoughts you're living out over and over again in your life. So you have a negative thought yesterday, what do you do? You don't renew your mind, so you carry it over, so tomorrow doesn't feel like a new day. It feels just like yesterday. It's just as painful, just as hurtful, just as toxic, just as negative as it ever was. So let me give you a scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It's Lamentations chapter 3 and verses 22 through 24. Now, some of you didn't even know there was a book called Lamentations, right? It's in there, I promise you. Just look in the table of context. All right, now, now look what it says here. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. So it's the mercy of God that sustains us all, amen? Just God's mercy It's not because I'm better qualified or a better person or you are or anyone else is. No, it's God's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. God never stops being compassionate toward you. You say, well, he doesn't feel very compassionate. Well, maybe maybe it's there, but the thoughts that are going in about God and what God is like. You see, if I start out with a negative thought about God, for example, God is not a good God, and I don't run that through a renewed mind, what am I going to do? I'm going to live out my life. Well, see, God is not for me. 
God is not merciful. God is not patient. God is not kind. I go through all of this stuff, and the same thing happens in all relationships and in your marriage with your kids, whatever. If I put this in and I don't renew it, then I'm not going to have a new day. It's going to feel like yesterday all over again, Groundhog Day, right? Where it's just kind of going all over, going all over, going all over. But anyway, he goes on to say in Lamentations in verse 23, they are new every morning. What's new every morning? Well, the mercies of God, the compassion of God, they are new every morning. So what we want to do is we want to experience a new day every day. We want to get up in the morning and we want to be able to say this is a new day. And I filtered everything from yesterday through this filter, and now I can focus on that which is true and pure and noble and praiseworthy. Now, here's the key. You cannot operate in a vacuum with your mind. In other words, you can't say, I'm just not going to think a negative thought today. Because what will happen? It will be like the pink elephant. All you'll do is think about a negative thought. What you have to do is you have to supplement that with a positive thought. You can use Scripture. You can be grateful. I mean, gratefulness is a, is a wonderful tool given by God, isn't it? I mean, have you ever just stopped to think how grateful you are for what you have? I love to do this when I go into, a, into a, like a fast food restaurant and, or a coffee shop or whatever, and the person standing behind the counter, they're, they're typically not positive. You know, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, you just walk in and, how you doing? What do you want? A little kindness here, a little love? I mean, a kiss? What? What do you got for me today, right? And, uh, and so uh, it wasn't too long ago that I went in, and there was a, a young lady working behind the counter, and I said, how's your day? She said, terrible. I said, oh, really? Well, so much for the new day policy here, right? And I said, why is it terrible? Oh, you know, it's just I got to work. And, and I said, well, let me ask you something. Do they pay you for working? Well, yeah. Are, are, you, are you glad to get that paycheck? Oh, you bet I am. Okay, all right, so, so the day is a little bit better because now you're thankful that you got paid for working. Well, I guess that's true. I said, now you appear to be alive. <laughs> well, yeah. I said, well, then you've got two things to be grateful for. You're alive and you get a paycheck. That's good. Two good things going on here. You, you appear to be fairly young. I mean, you're not, you're not like uh, ready for retirement, are you? Oh, no, no, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just out of, out of high school and got my first year of college. I said, so you got a lot of living to do. you got three things to be grateful for right there. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess I do have a lot to be thankful for. That's what I'm talking about. When you start putting those kind of thoughts through this filter, what happens? You can have a new day. Her day changed. I literally saw the countenance on her face change only by asking three questions that were so obvious anybody could have asked them. Let me ask you, do you ask yourself those kinds of questions? I mean, just reach down and take your two fingers, put them right here on your wrist, and see if you have a pulse. If you find you don't, please notify someone immediately. <laughs> but if you have a pulse, then you have good news. You're alive. If you can laugh at something, you, you have good news. You got, you're alive. How about that God loves you? How about that you have the Word of God you can read and study? How about the gift of eternal salvation? You see what you have? And if you just, instead of thinking the negative thoughts, start to say, what do I have to be grateful about in life? So it says in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. You know what your soul is? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. You know what happens is your mind begins to tell you about good things. 
So here's what it says. The Lord is my portion. You know what? You know what I have a part of? I have a part of all the goodness of God, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Hey, in a world that can be without hope or appear that way, we need to start with hope in God. We need to start by renewing our mind and having a new day. There's a little book called Jude. It's, a, it's only one chapter long, but it's an it's a interesting book. And one of the favorite verses that, that are there for me fi, uh, finds its way in the last couple of verses. And I just want to read it to you because it really ties into everything we're talking here about the presence of God and about God's love for you. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Do you know whose job it is to keep you from stumbling? It's God's. You say, well, I stumbled. Well, he's going to keep you from stumbling even further. You say, well, I really failed. Well, you know what? You could have failed worse. Well, I've really had a tough day. It could have been a worse day. You see how you begin to change your, change your, your thinking and you can move into a new day? So it says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You know whose responsibility it is to bring you before his presence faultless, that is without sin, without condemnation? It's God. God says, you know what I love to do? I love to bring all my children right before my throne and say, you are without sin. Because Jesus died. He was buried. He rose from the dead to give you life. And I want you to be there with joy. I want you to, you know, I want you to fear when I was uh, uh, living in New Orleans, when Tammy and I were living in New Orleans, and we were just married, and we had our first child, and I was teaching in a seminary. And in that seminary, it was another one other than the one I was going to, it was Union uh, Seminary, and while I was teaching there, I had a class on preaching that I was teaching. And one of the students got up, and he said, uh, today I'm going to talk about God's great movie. I thought, well, this will be good. And uh, this was before the, you know, the, the days of uh, all the digital um, uh, m- m- media that we have. And he said, now God has a 16-millimeter film of your life. And on Judgment Day, he's going to show it to everybody. Well, I don't know about you, but that was not comforting to me. <laughs> right? Even the thought of that, I mean, imagine every detail of your life, every thought of your life, God captures on a film and he shows it on judgment day. Now, there's plenty of time because it's eternity, but it's got to be the longest film ever if it's about your life. Now, the problem was he wasn't right, okay, but it sure worked. It got my attention. You see, God is not trying to take and dig up all your stuff. What God's trying to do is allow you to stand faultless before him, full of joy. If you can live every day full of joy, wouldn't it be a great day? And God says there's a way to do it. We just control our thoughts. We give those to God. We renew our mind, and we prove what is that good and acceptable will of God so that every day becomes a new day. So it goes on to say in that little book of Jude, verse 25, to God our Savior who alone is wise. You ever feel wise? God says, you know what? Only God is wise. Who alone is wise? Be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. You know what the heart of God does? The heart of God inspires in us greatness to be like God. The heart of God seeks to restore us back to him. The heart of God waits for man to respond. He's just always there, just loving reaching out 
Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. Change your thinking and you change your life. Change your thinking and you change your life. That's the way God designed us. Do you realize that Christ is called the head of the church and we are the body? So when we have the mind of Christ, we're thinking like Christ and we're changing our life on a daily basis. And then move in the direction of God. You see, one of the things that we do sometimes is we we move in the direction of our dominant thoughts, but they're not God thoughts. They're not good thoughts. And so what happens is we don't end up with a new day. We end up with a bad day. You ever heard of anybody? How's your day? Uh, It's not a good day. Thanks for asking. Well, how would you like to turn that around and be a new day, a good day, a day filled with joy and happiness and the power of Almighty God? Amen? Amen. That day is possible for every one of us today. I want every one of us to leave here with a sense of a new day. Let's stand together and bow our heads in prayer. Would you do that with me? Heavenly Father, as we just bow our heads before you, God, we are so grateful that your word teaches us so many great things about how we can live our life with joy with more productivity, where we can have a new day every day. And your mercies, God, they never fail. Your compassion, why, it's new every day. Father, every day you want us to live a new day. And God, right now, in every one of our minds, I just ask that you would just allow us to identify one toxic thought, one negative thought, one thing that needs to be renewed, If you've got that thought in your head right now, just one thought, could be anything, could be something from yesterday, could be something from 10 years ago, would you take that right now and just offer that to God? God, I'd like to take this thought and I'd like to to just give it over to you and I want a renewed mind in that area that I might prove what is that good and acceptable will of God, that I might live my life in true joy and faithfulness. That, God, that you might be able to speak powerfully and mightily to me. Would you let God do that right now? The band's going to play through a little piece of music right now. And as they do, as you hear this sound, I want you just to take that thought. I want you just to hold it in your hand and hurl it far away from you. Just visualize that. Just in your mind, just say, I'm getting rid of that, God. I'm throwing that over to the cross where it belongs. You died. You died, God, that I might have a renewed mind. You rose again to give me eternal life. What a great gift. God, I take that thought and I cast it far away. Renew my heart, God. Renew my spirit. Put new life in me, God, like the life of God that I enjoy. Let me think on those things which are good and lovely and pure and right and honest and praiseworthy. God, you are shaping me. You're molding me to be more and more like you every day. So God, I set myself apart for you right now. I ask you to make me pure and righteous in your sight in all ways. That I think those thoughts that are of you and that I glorify you in my life if you've never received Christ 
Some of this talk might be a bit foreign to you, but I want you to know that, that the God who is who's able to renew your mind is also the God who's willing right now to save you, to give you the, the, the gift of eternal life. All you have to do is call on his name. Would you call on his name right now? And it, something like this, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need to be forgiven. Would you forgive me, Lord Jesus? Would you give me the gift of eternal life? Would you save me right now? Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior, be my Lord, be my King. If that was your prayer, would you just thank Him in your own heart right now? Just thank you. You might say something as simple as, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for the promise of life. Thank you for a new day today, a new day of salvation for me, Lord Jesus. If that was your prayer today, we want to partner with you in that. We want to support you. We want to love you. We want to help you grow in Christ. If that was your prayer, would you just just look at me right now? Just, Just those of you who prayed that prayer, just look at me and just lift your face to me right now. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. See, God sees that little act of faith, just lifting your head, saying, I did that. I I received Christ. You're on a great journey with God now, a great journey with God. Let him just support you and undergird you in this whole process. I'm just going to have the band sing through this, this song one time as they do. Just allow this to be a special time for you and God just to meditate on his goodness. Would you do that right now?